I have two things I need to announce. One, this afternoon at 4.30, uh, Lamplighters Theater, Sense and Sensibility. And uh, it'll also be going on next weekend. Uh, but, hey, why, why wait till next weekend? It may snow. So if you're, if you're available, you ought to come today. Get, get your honey and come today. Uh, it's at 4.30, huh? Oh, it's a good Valentine's Day thing. Yeah. Uh, and then um, many of you know, some of you don't, uh, but many of you know that our, our friend and sister Darlene Robinson uh, went, went to meet Jesus yesterday. And uh, I talked with her on Thursday. Uh, and she, uh, at that point in time, they were thinking things were going to be okay. They were thinking things were going to be pretty good. Uh, and I, my heart goes out to her family, and I certainly am praying for them. But let me just tell you, for Darlene, things are okay. Things, things are pretty good. No they're, no, they're a little better than pretty good right now. Uh, and that was one of the things that we had talked about on Thursday. Uh, uh, for, the, for the believer, there's just uh, you know, there's no fear. There's no fear in death. And it, it's, it's the next stage. It's, it's the next door. There's going to be a celebration service for her on uh, Thursday here at 1.30. And I know a lot of you be working during that time, but if you're available, I uh, would like to come and uh, join in that celebration. It'd mean a lot to the family. Um, by all means, do so. Thursday at, at, at 1.30. We are in week three of Holy Spirit Mythbusters. And uh, I... <laughs> I titled this one "Real or Not Real." Uh, I put that up on my Facebook. It was and and uh, somebody responded to me, "Real." Yes. Well, yeah, he is real, but there's also there are pretenders, and we're gonna we're gonna cover we're gonna cover both aspects of that today, and maybe how to how to sort that out a little bit, give you some clues about how to sort that out. Would you stand with me? We're gonna read a passage from Acts chapter eight, and then we might read a verse from Galatians three. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is the divine power, known as the great power. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his magic. But when they believed Philip as he preached the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them. When they arrived, they prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them. They had simply been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness and captive to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Are you so foolish? After beginning with the spirit, are you now trying to finish by human effort? Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence and power of your spirit, because without your spirit's presence and power, words are just words. But Lord, when 
when he touches us, when he anoints the words, they become life. And so I pray that you would touch each heart, that you would anoint each, each set of ears, and that you would anoint the words that are spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. The Holy Spirit, active, alive, moving. Uh, not everybody believes that. There, there are extremes to which people go in, in thinking about this from time to time. Uh, I think for most believers, for most Christians, it's basically kind of a matter of, uh, yeah, there's Holy Spirit. Yeah, he does stuff, uh, maybe. Uh, the extremes are to believe that the Holy Spirit or anything actually, nothing supernatural happens. Uh, you know, there are those who just go, that, you know, that's not, that's not real. That's not part of it. That's not part of life. And then the other extreme is that anything that pretends to be supernatural that happens in connection with church or happens to have the right nomenclature being used, the right setting being used, then it's got to be the Holy Ghost. It's got to be the Holy Spirit. And really both of those extremes are very dangerous and both of those extremes are very wrong. The, the, the truth is that the Holy Spirit is active, does do things, supernatural things do happen, but they're not all from God, even the ones that happen in church sometimes or have church attached to them. And so what we want to do is we want to talk today a little bit about, well, how do you, how do you sort out the difference? How, do you, how can you tell? Uh, we addressed the idea that the Holy Spirit doesn't do these things anymore a little bit last week, but I want to go there just a little bit further because, you know, some people... Uh, really don't know the answer to this question, is there a supernatural? For some people, it's kind of like, eh, I really don't know. Or, or they go, well, I do know. There, no, there absolutely isn't. You, you can explain everything. Well, I will grant you that everything can be explained, but not everything can be explained in terms that we understand. I'll go there again in just a minute. Uh, the question of whether or not a supernatural even exists has really only gained legitimacy, I think, with the elevation of, of the scientific method to an almost religious status. Uh, the scientific method is not an evil thing. It's, it's actually can be a good thing. But sometimes people use it, uh, sometimes people use it for, for evil ends or use it for purposes that it's not intended for. Scientific method cannot explore uh, or explain anything beyond the limits of natural observation. It has to be able to be observed to be able to, uh, for, for it to make any observation. But like I say, sometimes it's very helpful because it, it, it does at times expose um, charlatans, if you will. It does expose when, when something's false, something's fake that's being done. Uh, now let me, uh, let me uh, uh, very quickly kind of draw a distinction here. Uh, if something is myth, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Myth is just simply using fiction to try and explain something, to try and explain truth. And sometimes that's the best way to do it. Uh, a Christmas carol uh, that we do at Christmas time, that didn't really happen. <laughs> that didn't really happen. There, there, there wasn't an Ebenezer Scrooge who was that way and Bob Cratchit worked for him and everything. But that story is so full of truth and so full of, of things that really matter and presented in such a powerful way that, you know, it's, it, it's actually a good thing. Charlatanism, on the other hand, is a deliberate attempt at deception. And so there, there's, there's, there's definitely a distinction between those two. The fact that, uh, that uh, the scientific method exposes charlatans sometimes, though, does not debunk the supernatural doesn't mean that there is no supernatural just because some of it's some of it's phony this is this is a logic question it's a it's a logic issue let me let me give you another example this is uh this is peggy i don't actually know that for a fact but i just figured based on her skirt that that was probably what her name was and <laughs> peggy with a poodle never mind Peggy looks happy, but Peggy has a problem. Peggy actually gets real sad when Peggy thinks about football because Peggy hates football. Peggy hates football because her boyfriend loves football more than he loves Peggy. 
and because it's, it's a rough, mean sport, and just all kinds of things that people get dirty when they play football. Peggy is a girl. Peggy hates football. Therefore, all girls hate football. I mean, those girls are all frowning. And there's a, yeah, because they don't like football. <laughs> of course, that's ridiculous. Of course, that's ridiculous. And in the same way, just because some supernatural events are, are phony or put on doesn't necessarily mean that there, that there is no supernatural. In fact, uh, there absolutely is. Uh, the vast majority of Earth's population believes in the supernatural. We happen to be in one of those pockets that's kind of that's kind of weird in the culture we're in, but we're only we're only a few of the people in the world. The vast majority of them. You ask, is there a supernatural? They go, Why are you even asking that question? Of course, there's a supernatural. Some of them believe because of what they have experienced. Uh, I keep referencing back to, to Bruce's testimony uh, where he was talking about speaking in tongues and it turned out he was actually speaking in Hebrew and, and doing the, uh, quoting Isaiah chapter 53. Uh, that was a supernatural event. Bruce knows there's a supernatural because it happened to him. You know, he, he knows that he doesn't know that and, and it happened. Some people uh, maybe have, uh, have witnessed a supernatural event, have, have witnessed a miracle, have witnessed a, a healing, have, have witnessed something happen that they absolutely know. This, there's no way this could be, there's no way this could be put on. Uh, some people have had experience, you know, come, coming uh, with, with either somebody they've known or somebody that they read about that they trust, or somebody who, you know, died and went to heaven and came back and had all this insight and had all these uh, had all these things that they knew that they didn't know beforehand. They could have known. So that's why some people believe. Some people believe not or, or don't believe because of faith in an authority. Some people don't believe because, you know, somebody with a degree somewhere doesn't believe or, or somebody that they, that they trust told them, you know, mommy or daddy said there's no such thing as any of that. And they go, well, okay, there's no such thing as any of that. On the other hand, I personally believe, now I've, I've seen things that I certainly would consider to be miraculous, and I certainly trust Bruce's testimony, and there are other people that I know very well who can testify to miraculous things, but that's not why I believe in the supernatural. I believe in the supernatural because the Bible tells me that it's true, and, I, and the Bible is my authority. It, it, it's, it's my authority in life. In fact, it's kind of... Um, it, it, it's kind of incredible to un, to think of somebody going, I believe the Bible, but I don't believe the supernatural happens. Do you read the Bible? I said earlier that, yes, I believe supernatural things can be explained. What we need to understand is that miracles are simply events that cannot be explained from our perspective. This is the bird feeder that is in our backyard. And the reason that I have that up there is because it is the miraculous bird feeder from the perspective of our birds. Because there are times when there's nothing in there. And then there are other times when food miraculously appears. And maybe the bird didn't see it happen, or maybe the birds did. So some birds know that this, that this mythical creature comes out of the house at times and, and, and grabs the, the food orb and takes it away. And when it comes back, it's got food in it. That is, that, that is confounding to the mind of a robin or a blue jay. That's why we call them bird brain. <laughs> And so things that we look at and go, wow, that is, that's a miracle. God's not amazed. There's never been a miracle that God has done where he went, whoa, wow, did, did, wow, how did that happen? He, he knows. 
He knows. You know, you want to part the Red Sea? He knows how to do it. Want to turn water into wine? He does it all the time. Takes a little longer than he usually does when he did it with Jesus. But I mean, you know, he, he, he does it. So the miraculous, it's just simply a matter of perspective. Simply a matter of, of perspective. The Bible also makes it clear that not all miracles are from God. So the coming, this is 2 Thessalonians 2, 9 through 10. The coming of the lawless one, which would also be the Antichrist, will be in accordance with the work of Satan displayed in all kinds of counterfeit miracles, signs and wonders, and in every sort of evil that deceives those who are perishing. Now this tells us a couple of things. One of the things that it tells us is that when the lawless one comes, when, when the Antichrist comes, that there are going to be miracles and signs and wonders. Well, since he's not here yet, miracles, signs, and wonders must still be on the table. It also tells us that not all miracles, signs, and wonders are from God. Some are, in fact, it says here, the work of, the work of Satan. The supernatural exists. And if the supernatural exists, my question would be, why would God abandon the field to the enemy and let him just, just, just have that area? That's not God's M.O. That's not the way he operates. He's never done it that way before. When God sent Moses to stand before Pharaoh, Moses had Aaron throw his staff down and it became a serpent, Right? And Janus and Jambres, the, the, uh, the, the magicians, the chief magicians in Pharaoh's court, they came along and they threw their staffs down and they became serpents too. Oh, so there. But guess what? Moses' serpent ate up their serpents. And if you, and if you read that whole section there where the, the plagues and the miracles are happening in Egypt, you'll discover that up to a point, Janus and Jambres, Pharaoh's guys, could duplicate everything Moses was doing. And then it finally got to a point, I think it was at the gnats, I believe it, I believe it was when, when, they, when, they, when they had the plague of gnats, that, uh, and I love how God uses such little things, but that Pharaoh's magicians finally came to him, we can't do this. This, this, this is the finger of God that we're seeing here. Then later on in the, in the ministry of Elijah, most of you are familiar with Elijah on Mount Carmel. The, the prophets of Baal come together and, uh, well, Elijah calls them. He, he says, let's, let's have a meeting here. Let's settle this thing once and for all. The prophets of Baal, you, you build an altar. I'm going to build an altar. We'll put a sacrifice on it. We won't light it. You call out to your God. I'll call out to the Lord. And whoever answers by fire, he's, he's God. Agreed? And they went, yeah, agreed. Let's do it. And so the prophets of Baal put their altar together. They put their sacrifice on it, and they had a worship service. They had a big-time worship service. They, they went for hours. They, they halleled before Baal. They, they, they yelled. They screamed. They, they cut themselves. I don't know that, that. Well, I do know. That's not what a part of what you're supposed to do. But they had a big service. Nothing happened. And then Elijah simply calls out to the Lord and says, Lord, you're God. These are your people. Let's show them. Boom. Down comes the fire. Because you see, what God has always, it's always been his MO to bring his people in with stronger supernatural stuff than what, than what the, the devil comes with. When, when Daniel was, was in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the, the thing that exalted Daniel to a position of influence and power. Nebuchadnezzar has this dream, and he calls his magicians in, and he says, I've had a dream, and I'm really disturbed about it. I need you to tell me what it means. And they said, well, fine, tell tell us the dream. We'll tell you what it means. He said, nope, not going to do it. You tell me what the dream was, and then I'll know you can tell me what it means. I've dealt with you guys before. And they went, no, no magician can possibly do that. No, no enchanter can do that. It's ridiculous what you're asking. And he went, well, what's ridiculous is that I'm letting you live. In fact, I, I think I'm going to stop that right now. I'm going to kill all of you. 
And in fact, they were even going to kill Daniel and his friends Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And they said, oh, let the, you know, give us, give us an opportunity now that we know what the issue is. Let us pray. And so they gave him one night. The Lord gave Daniel the interpretation. Daniel comes in before Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, <laughs> he had a lot of guts. And, 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 I'm, and I'm glad that Nebuchadnezzar didn't, you know, have a gun and a hair trigger. Because uh, he said to him, can you tell me what the dream is and what it means? And Daniel says, no. No magician, no enchanter can do that. But there's a God who reveals secrets. He can do it. And then he went on to, to read Nebuchadnezzar's mail. He went on to tell him what the dream was and exactly what it meant. And Nebuchadnezzar ended up on his face in front of Daniel. This is, this is how God, this is how God brings it. It's always been his MO when Christ was here. Jesus said uh, on the night he was betrayed, he, he said to his disciples, if I had not done among them what no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen these miracles and yet they have hated both me and my father. When Jesus came, he did things no one else had ever done. No one. And that was even before he rose from the dead. And then the, the apostles later on, uh, when they were, uh, well, this particular passage that we read today, they were, in, they were in Samaria. This guy, Simon, he was so good, they were calling him the divine power, the, the great power. And yet when he saw what the apostles were doing, uh, he, you know, he was jaw dropped. It was basically, I've not, I've not seen anything like that before. So it's God's MO where, where the, where the enemy comes in and, and does these things. It's his MO to come in and, and do it, do it bigger, do it even, even stronger. Is every manifestation done in the church from God? The short answer to that would be no. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 tells us... Oh, how many of you know what that verse means? How many of you know what that verse says? It's a very important verse. And, you know, and I'm not real good with numbers. If you just said 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, I'd be going, duh, duh, duh. But the picture helps. Satan is able to appear as an angel of light. And the reason why he says that is because he is talking about Satan's messengers, Satan's emissaries, appearing as ministers of the gospel. So the Bible says very clearly that not, you know, when I, when I was a, I, back in the 60s, I don't remember who said this. I don't, it may have been, sounds like Barry Goldwater, but it might have been, I don't know who it was, but uh, and I'm sure he lifted it from somewhere else, but I didn't have time to Google this. You know, if it looks like a duck and walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. No, not necessarily. I grew up with the notion that if it was unusual enough, then it must be the Holy Spirit. If it happens in church and it's unusual enough, then it, it and in fact, it was so, it was so, uh, oppressive that really just about anybody could say and get away with just about anything. And if you went, I don't think that's God, you would have, have people all over you go, what, what do you mean you're standing against the Holy Ghost? Well, if that was the Holy Ghost, I remember one time at the Lord's Chapel, and I may have shared this sometimes back, but uh, I will never forget the Sunday morning that this brother got up and he, he would get up fairly frequently, and I would usually tend to kind of go, mm. but on this particular morning, I, I didn't really have any question about what he was saying. It clearly wasn't from God, because he got up and he prophesied to everyone, oh, my, oh my brother, oh, my children, oh, my children, uh, the Lord says, I am displeased with thee because thou art, art sitting your alarm clocks rather than trusting me to wake you up at the right time. And I'm going, somebody needs to hit you over the head with a hammer. <laughs> I knew this guy, and I knew him well enough to know that he was self-employed. He set his own schedule. How convenient that God would give him a difficult word that was easy for him and hard for everybody else. 
But there was, there was a time and there was an atmosphere and there still is in a lot of places where if it gets up and it's preceded by thus saith the Lord, then you dare not stand against it. Well, let me tell you, you can. Because if it, if it isn't, it needs to. I know what Peter would have said. <laughs> I, I, I know what Paul would have said. And also, let me just point this out to you. Over in 1 Corinthians 14, 32, Paul's talking about prophesying and and services and stuff. And he says, the spirit of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. Let me tell you what that means. That means that if you hear someone say, I had to do it. The Holy Spirit made me. I I just didn't want to, but but the Holy Ghost made me do it. No, he didn't. That's not how he works. That's not how he operates. He doesn't possess. I, as I said a few weeks ago, I, I, I wish sometimes that he did. That'd be a lot easier. I could just throw it in neutral and, and just go along with him and let him, let him drive the car. But that's not, that's not how he does it. He doesn't force us to do things. He doesn't, he leads us and guides us. He doesn't push us. You don't lead from the back. You lead from the front, and whoever's behind has the choice of either going, I'm going where he's going, or I'm going over there. You always have that choice when it's God. Now, he may give you something, and the impression may be very strong, and that's that's one thing, but you still have the option as to what... It's not only to whether or not it's you're going to say it or do it, but how you're going to say it or do it. Because the spirit of prophets is subject to the control of prophets. In fact, the scripture instructs us to judge, to determine if a word or an action is from the Holy Spirit. 1 John 4.1, dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. And he's not saying there's no such thing as a spirit. He's not saying there's, you know, just don't worry about it and, and just, just go along. No, he's saying it, spirits are going to come. Influences are going to happen. Things are going to be said, and you need to judge it. You need to test it. In, in a couple of weeks, uh, Barbie is going to bring a humdinger of a sermon about testing the spirits. Uh, So, how do you know if it is or isn't the Holy Spirit? I'm going to tell you three ways that you can know that it's not the Holy Spirit. Actually, four ways that you can know that it's not the Holy Spirit, and three ways that will be clues to help you, if, if, if you will. First way is you cannot tell by looks. You have absolutely no clue by just what it looked like. Or what the person who gave it looked like. Now, uh, I, I, have a, I have an example here that I want to give. Please no one be offended by it. But I thought I, wanna, I want an example that will drive the, home, the point home pretty good. So here's some, here's some pretty good looking girls. The only issue is only one of them is actually a girl. Do you know which one? Let me answer that question. No, you don't know which one. You can guess which one, and you have a one in six chance of figuring it out. But the o- there's only one way that you would know which one, and that's if you happen to know her. Now, because I don't want everybody to spend the rest of the sermon... <laughs> That's, that's, the, that's the one. And, you know, I was just waiting for somebody to go, I got it. You know, I win something. No, you don't. But the point is, you can't tell by looks. You simply can't. And when, when something happens, you can't look and go, oh, that looks like the Holy Ghost. What does the Holy Ghost look like? Yeah. Or that doesn't look like the Holy Ghost. Well, Jesus didn't look like Messiah. As far as the religious people of the day were concerned. So looks is, is not the, atmos- the, the litmus test. If it is at variance with the Bible, then it isn't the Holy Spirit. Well, what are you talking about? Well, you, you know, let me give you an extreme example. 
but this sort of thing has happened. You need to get a white robe on and you need to go stand on that hill on May the 14th because only those whose robes are white standing on the hill waiting are going to be saved. That's at variance with the Bible. Because you see, I'm not saved by wearing a white robe and standing on a hill. I'm not saved by believing that Brother Ralph is a prophet. I'm saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. And by the fact that he died for my sins and I believe in him and he rose from the dead. That's, that's, what, that's how I'm saved. You kind of go, well, well, that's a, you know, nobody would fall for that. They do. They do. All the time. And, it, and, it, and as, if, as I read the Bible, the closer we get to the end, the more enticing such things will be. You say, well, I don't, you know, I don't have time to, to, to learn the whole Bible. I don't, I don't have time to, uh, to, to know what it all says. You don't have to know what it all says. Yes, it's a thick book. Just get started. Get started. The Holy Ghost wrote it. The Holy Ghost will help you. Part of the Holy Ghost's job is to lead you and guide you into all truth and remind you of everything that Jesus has said. And he'll see to it that you, he'll see to it, if you'll just give him a chance, he'll see to it that you start getting what you need. And when the, and when the devil brings something along to try and blindside you with something, you may not be a Bible scholar, but the Holy Ghost will bring that scripture verse to memory and you go, whoa, wait a minute. That ain't right. If something's at variance with the Scripture, then it's not the Holy Ghost. If it smacks of selfishness, then it isn't the Holy Ghost. Because God is not selfish. The difference, there are a lot of differences, but the primary, the fundamental difference between God and the devil is that the devil is totally and completely consumed in self-centeredness. He doesn't love you, he will use you. And if he can get you thinking that way, if he can get you in that orbit, then he's got you. And by that, I mean if he can get you thinking, what's in it for me? God, on the other hand, is totally and completely other-centered and outward-centered. God gives. God loves. It's, ne- it's never a matter of what's in it for me. It's always a matter of what, how, can I, how can I help you? Even, you know, well he, well, he commands us to worship Him. It's for our benefit. It's for our benefit. He's got, I mean, we got a good worship team, okay? But I don't know if they'd be able to do much warm-up for the band they got going on in heaven. He's got seraphim. He's got four and twenty elders who, who know how to get down. Literally, way down. Yes. He, he, he has myriads of angels who can worship. It's not like he needs us to add to that. He invites us to become aware of him and become aware of his presence and, and, and to begin to reflect him. If it smacks of selfishness at all, well, what kind of things, you know, would that be? Well, let's see. Once again, kind of extremes, but there are more subtle shades as well. The Lord says, leave your family and follow me. People do that? Yeah, people do that. The Lord says, let's just sell everything that you have and give it to me. People people say that and others believe them? Yeah, that's been done. If God tells you to sell everything that you've got, he wants you to give it to the poor. I'm just telling you right now. That's what it is. But, you know, others will take it. You know, let's all sell everything that we have and move to Guyana together. Live until we don't anymore. And, and you know, people go for it. But any, you know, any of this that, that kind of that, that smacks of selfishness. And to be very honest to me, when the guy got up and said, don't, you know, set your alarm clocks and understanding that that he didn't have to anyway because he said his own schedule. You know, to me, that was kind of like, let's create another classification of Christians that's kind of above these who don't have the faith that we've got. You know, I, I, I actually, 
I was on the platform. I should have gotten up and went, mm. but I didn't. I was chicken. I was coward. But guess what? I'm older now, and I don't care. So you better be careful. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll have it, you know. Actually, I do care. So that's why. That's why. Anyway, never mind. If it is for sale, it isn't the Holy Spirit. Ever. Ever. Period. Peter and John were appalled when Simon brought money into the equation. Now, I'm not talking about taking up an offering. That's a totally different thing. I'm talking about if God's gifts are for sale. Say, well, that doesn't happen these days, does it? Yeah. Let me just say this. Anytime you hear the phrase, everyone who sends in $100, or everyone who will put $1,000 in the plate, or if it's $20, we will, we will especially pray for you. We will, uh, we, will send, we will send you so-and-so so that you can have such-and-such happen. You get on your horse and you ride in the other direction as fast and as hard and as long as you possibly can. Because that ain't God. That is the devil. When, when, when Simon came up to him and offered them money so that if he laid his hands on people, they'd receive the Holy Spirit. I, I mean, Peter, Peter lit into him. I, I know it sounds real polite. You know, thy money perish with thee. But, uh, <laughs> but think about it, people. The J.P. Phillips translation, Phillips was one of the guys who, who uh, in fact, in, back in the 50s, he, he was one of the first ones to, to do a modern translation in, in English. And, and uh, he did asterisk it, but he, he translated it, to hell with you and your money. And he said, you know, it's, it's a, it's sorry, I'm sorry that we're not able to really use that, but technically that is exactly what he said. Because that's exactly what he meant. And I can see the smoke coming out of Peter's ears and the fire coming out of his eyes. I, I, no wonder Simon was ready to repent after, after Peter got through with him there. That's not the only instance in the Scripture. Over in Second Kings, Elisha had a man named Naboth come to him who was leprous. And... Uh, Naban was, uh, he, he was, he was a big roller in his country. He was a wealthy man. And he came, he was an important man, and he expected Elisha to come out and, and um, you know, put him at the front of the healing line and, 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 have, and say these things over him and lay hands on him. And Elisha said, uh, go dip in the Jordan River seven times. And, you know, that sounded pretty, that sounded pretty weird, but that was the Holy Ghost because really... What Naban needed healing of worse than his leprosy was his pride. And that was why he, he got that word. He goes, and you know, you know the story. He went and dipped seven times in the Jordan River finally. He swallowed his pride, did that. And, and he was healed, and he came back, and he was uh, just rejoicing. Wow, this is wonderful. You know, I've been healed of leprosy. I, I brought a lot of, of money and stuff with me. Let me give you an offering. And Elisha said, nope. Nope, not, not taking any money for what just happened to you. Now, most of you know that much of the story. A lot of you don't know the rest of the story. Because Elisha had a servant named Gehazi. And Gehazi began to think to himself, my master went too easy on that guy. You know, that guy, that guy had a lot of money. He could, he could have helped out a lot. I need to do something about that. And so Gehazi ran off after Naban and said to him, uh, listen, my, my master has, uh, has had a couple of the sons of the prophets come to visit, and we're just wondering if maybe, you, you know, you said you wanted to give something. Maybe you could help us take care of them. And Naban went, sure, absolutely. And, and, and so he came down off his chariot, and he gave him some clothes, and he gave him a couple of big Bags of money, in fact, so big that he had to have servants help him carry him back. And, and Gehazi got all that uh, stashed away in, in his place. And he came and he stood before Elijah. Elisha. Oh. You know, and there are just some, there are just some moments that are so 
crackling with intensity in the scripture. Even though not much is said, Gehazi's standing in front of Elisha. And Elisha says, where have you been, Gehazi? Gehazi says, "Uh, nowhere. (laughs) And Elisha says, did my spirit not go with you? Did I not see the man come down off of the chariot? Is this the time to be taking money? Is this the time to be preparing for your retirement? Is this the time to be collecting lands and houses? The leprosy that once clung to Naaman is now clinging to you. And it will remain in your family for generations. And Gehazi went out of his presence leprous. If it's for sale, it's not the Holy Ghost. Just know that. Know that. Please. Very quickly. Three ways that you can know. If everything lines up with Scripture, you're likely safe. And I say likely safe because there's still some... There's still some shading there, but most of the time, if it lines up with Scripture, you, that's, that's a really good sign. All right. Uh, and and you, uh, you may say once again, well, I, you know, I'm not a scriptural genius. You don't have to be a scholar. But you do have to know something. You do have to put something in there so that the Holy Ghost has got something to pull out of the bucket. And if you'll just put something in there, you'll take care, you'll take care of the rest of it. Uh, uh, secondly, if you, if you really know and trust the leadership where you are, then you're, then you're likely safe. And that's one of the reasons why it's important to, you know, to be a, to be a part of a, of a fellowship, to be a part of a family where you, where you do know the leadership and trust them. And, and let me just say this. I mean, God, God bless the TV. God bless the fact that that you can watch stuff on TV. There are times that you can't be in church, and I know that there are people who, who can't be there. But you cannot get to know somebody from watching them on TV. You just can't. All you know is, the, is their TV personality. Yeah. Well, you get to know somebody by spending time with them, rubbing shoulders with them. You, 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 don't, you can't get to know me by looking at me preach on Sunday morning because when I preach on Sunday morning... I, I'm a lot better guy than I am at some other times. So you have to spend some time with some people and, and, and rub shoulders with them a little bit. And, but, but there are people who are, who've gone a little bit further than you have in things. There are, there, are, there are elders. There are some people that you can look to and go, what did you, what did you think about that? Explain that to me. Yeah. And then lastly... The only certain way to know if it's the Holy Spirit is to know the Holy Spirit personally. That, that's the only way. It's like when I was showing the, the picture of, uh, up, up there of those of guys <laughs> and, and, and that girl. You know, the, the only way to know is to know, to know the person. And, and it's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. It's the same way, it's the same way with anybody that, that you know. If, if, somebody, if, if somebody is... If you don't know a person, you've never had any contact with them, and they call you on the telephone, I guarantee you, you're not going to go, oh, yeah, Bob, because you've never heard them before. And in fact, anybody can call up and say, I'm Bob. You go, well, I guess you are. But once you know them, and I know we got caller ID, and okay, pretend this was way back when they didn't have that. But if you know them, and they call up, you know, if, if, uh, if, I get a, if I get a call on the phone and I hadn't seen my caller ID and the first thing I hear is, Ronald, I know, that's Wayne. Hi, Wayne. That's not my name, but, you know, I'll answer to it because you're a peculiar person and I'll just, I'll just let you do that. Yeah. <laughs> but I've heard his voice. I know who he is. I know what it feels like to talk to Wayne. I know what he sounds like. And you really can't fake it when, when you know somebody that well. And that's exactly how God wants you to know Him and His Spirit. There's no shortcut. You, there, there's no magic bullet. It takes time. 
You have to walk with him. You have to pay attention. You have to actually listen. It really helps a whole lot to read his book. But the only way to absolutely know is to know him. And that's where he wants you to go. That's that's what he wants to have with you. Would you stand with me? Those who are going to minister to people, come forward. I said the first Sunday that we began to talk about the Holy Spirit that there is a baptism of the Holy Spirit. There is a fullness of the Spirit. And we're, we're getting pretty close to where we're going to spend some serious time talking about that. But I, I didn't want anybody to come down just because, oh, well, there's something going on down there. I can go get something. I wanted a hunger to come up inside of people. You know, I don't want a, you know, just a a little flash. Like a long-burning fire takes place inside of a person. But we've been talking about this for a few weeks now, and you may already be at the place where you go, you know, I... All right already. Let's get on with it. I'm, I'm ready. I want the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And, and, if, and if that's where you are, by all means, the, the, the altar is open for that. You can come. Any of these brothers and sisters can pray with you. And God will do it. But you may have come with some other needs as well today. This is a fallen world. It's a, We make mistakes and things happen and people do stuff. And, So there may be any number of reasons why you need God to do something in your life today. If so, you come forward. We're going to worship for a few moments. We'll we'll wait on you. If you don't need to come, you worship. Let's create an atmosphere for the Holy Spirit. But if you need something from God, He's still, not only does He do miracles, He does bigger stuff than the enemy does. And it may be the enemy slamming you. And if it is, you need him to be slammed back. You can't do it by yourself. You come. You come. God's going to do stuff here today. Your presence is all I'm longing for. Here in the secret place. Finally found where I belong. I finally found where I belong.
say one other thing. I know sometimes people get a little bit concerned because they go, well, you know, you, you told us a lot today about how you how you can know, but man, I just don't know. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I want to go there because it sounds kind of dangerous. Yeah. Well, it is. But that's not necessarily a bad thing. I would also remind you that it's dangerous to drive on the interstate. But I suspect that many of you are going to leave here and do that very thing. It might be safer to walk home. Just not as powerful. Not nearly as much fun either. Raise your hand. Let me give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who sent his son into the world and he did things that no other person had ever done and who said that we would do greater things than he did. May that prophecy be fulfilled in you through the power and the presence and the activity of the Holy Spirit. May you express God's love and joy and humility to all of those around you through Jesus Christ our Lord.